In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, the podcast where we cover all the pop culture we love to hate, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. I'm looking at you, Jax Taylor. I'm your host, Ryan Bailey. You know, every now and then, think you might like to hear something from us nice easy there's just one thing you see we never ever do nothing nice easy we always do it nice and rough but we're gonna take the beginning of this song and do it easy but then we're going to do the finish. Rough. Proud Mary. The way we do. Proud Mary. And we're rolling. Come down to the river Bet you're gonna find 
Folks, welcome to an all-new So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. This is your pal Ryan, and this is your Thursday episode. Um, listen, I have a blinding headache right now. <laughs> I think it was the reunion. Who knows? So we're going to get right to the guest in a second. And also, I just, I've got to get sleep so I can prep for Vanderpump Rules Friday. What did you guys think of the reunion? It was, uh, it was crazy. I hate, it's just that, 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 that normal reunion thing that you have where you're like, come on, give me the other two parts of the reunion right now. And then the secrets revealed. You realize how much footage they're actually sitting on. I mean, we've been reminded of this so many times uh, in the last couple of weeks through the cast members. And what they've said is that when they shoot these things, it's whittled down, of course, to these like four minute scenes. But then in reality, that scene between Tom and Ariana on the season finale, that, sh- that was shot over two hours. And it-, it was whittled down to a five minute scene. Can you imagine? Give me every. Come on, guys. Come on. Bravo, NBC. You know, charge us. Like, give it you. Give it to us. We want it. We need the Vanderpump juice. Um, listen, I'm going to tell you exactly, well, I'll tell you all about my day today on Friday because I was hired to, uh, Raising Cane's, the chicken joint. I was hired to be somebody that covered that because Ariana Maddox, uh, was, uh, their, their spokesperson today. So I was up bright and early, had to drive down to El Segundo and, uh, I'd never had Raising Cane's chicken before. It turned out it was flipping awesome. Like, I think it was one of the only influencers there, like, fully eat. I was like, this is delicious. It was like 10.30 in the morning. I'm like, could I have your chicken fingers? It was awesome. I'll tell you all about it on Friday. But it was great to see Ariana. <clears throat> Very cool. Very weird. I was like, ah, oh, I didn't think we'd bump into each other again at a uh, at a chicken place. But, listen, the, the, <laughs> the universe provides. Uh, how are you guys? Are you guys good? I hope so. Like I said, I've had this just blinding headache since I've gotten home. It has been a really challenging day. I just can't seem to shake this. It's like a pressure headache mixed with a migraine. And I've tried like cold compresses, hot compresses, compress. I'm not even saying words correctly, drinking water, fluids. I just hope it is gone by the morning. So it's 11 o'clock right now. I'm going to put this out and go to bed. But there's a lot of stuff to talk about. Did you realize the Kardashian season three came out tonight? What what happens if they release a Kardashian season and no one makes a sound? What is what is that like? It's weird. It's uh, it's just very weird. This is the weirdest run up to a Kardashian season ever. I'm like, wow. Have they have they all of a sudden become like an independent film that's like word of mouth that you pass around? So that is out, and I have to watch that. I think I'll be covering that. Do you guys want me to cover the Kardashians? I might do it over in the Patreon. I, I did recaps of last season over there. I love covering it, but so many people are so passionately, they so passionately dislike the Kardashians, but I think they're a family worth studying just from a pop culture angle, you know? And of course, like I said, Friday, Vanderpump, everything. I'm uh, putting all the research together. There's so much to talk about. We'll break down the Color Daddy podcast interview. We'll, uh, <clears throat> I don't know. So it's it's going to be great. But today, I did this interview on uh, Tuesday. Today's Wednesday. And I had been wanting to talk to this this girl for a long time. I'm a real big fan of hers. Her name is Annie Elise. And if you're, you know, if you watch YouTube, which do you know YouTube is now more popular than most cable channels? Like my niece and nephew, they don't really even pay attention to cable. It's all on YouTube and Discord servers. We consume media in a different way. And I think that is fascinating. And I don't think we need to be scared about it. I think we need to lean into it. We need to find out what it's about. And sometimes with YouTube, I'd always kind of... 
pish posh. I kind of turn my nose up because I'm like, oh, come on, who cares? And then you realize like people are doing full on TV shows on there with like high production value. And these personalities are shining through. When I worked at the acting studio, I, you know, as an acting teacher and I worked there for a long time, my, uh, the head of the place would always say, create your own content. And back then when I first started there, you know, you, you didn't have you know, it was right at the beginning of like iPhones and things like that, where you'd actually have a tiny camera with you. And and now what you can do with so little with the technology that we have is just fascinating. And there's some real cool people. And by the way, we have a YouTube channel now, So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. Uh, we're putting up a lot of the interviews, a lot of the recaps, like the full Vanderpump one. Uh, but Annie Elise has a channel called Tend to Life. She's a content creator, and it focuses on a lot of true crime cases, unsolved mysteries, high-profile cases, notorious criminals, and she actually has a new podcast as well called Serial Isli. So like serial killer, and then it's like serial, seriously, <laughs> seriously. Um, but she's just great. I've been watching her now for a bit, and I just really admire uh, what she's all about. But on top of that, I found out she's a Bravo fan. She's a Vanderpump Rules fan. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. So I finally got to have her on, and we talked all about Vanderpump. And she is one of us. Uh, and I just thought it was so cool to have her on. And I go hope to get to talk to her many more times, uh, you know, over the years. I, I think it's just really great what she's doing. I hope you dig her. If you don't know her, you should know her. Also, there's an interesting conversation to be had about the intersection of pop culture with with crimes now, with, with high-profile cases and criminals. There is this weird intersection that happened with pop culture where Dateline NBC, NB, you know, 48-hour murder mystery, true crime novels, all of this stuff, the podcast boom of true crime as well, it was all now under the umbrella of pop culture, which I think is really, really fascinating to be studied. So we, of course, talk about Vanderpump Rules. We also talk a lot about the Idaho... Um, the Idaho murder case and uh, the arrest of Brian Koberger. Um, and of course, I try to thinly make the connection between some of the men on Vanderpump Rules and some real notorious bad guys, uh, criminals. And, and I don't know how much water that holds, but at least it's fun to get those ideas out. So we're going to cut to her right now. But if you do like this podcast or if you do uh, watch the YouTube, please Rate it five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And the same thing with Annie's new podcast, Serial Isley. Um, I'm going to say it right eventually. Go rate that five stars as well, because we always want to thank people that take the time to speak with us and share a lot of time with us. I just had a, the best time. So go do that. You can sign up for my Patreon, patreon.com forward slash so bad it's good. A full summer house finale recap hit there yesterday. And I'm excited to uh, I'm excited to do the Vanderpump recaps on Friday and get those out of the way because I just I can't wait to to get a this is all moving too fast and uh, but at the same time we're nearing the finish line and it's very very exciting but I mean before we start that how big of a creep is Tom I mean both those Toms it's just this season needs to end because I feel like they just keep digging themselves into a bigger and bigger and bigger hole. But we'll talk about that all on Friday. So here she is from 10 to Life in the podcast, Serialicity, Annie Elise. But today I have an actual hero of mine on the show. I cannot say enough great things 
about my next guest. Uh, as you know, I've dipped my toe in the water of YouTube, which is just me making silly faces on the screen. But I didn't know that people were out there using YouTube in this wonderful way where they were pretty much creating what I think is just on par with some shows that you watch on network and cable TV. They're doing this on YouTube. And we have one of those guests today. Not only is she, I think, one of the queens of YouTube, but she is now in the podcasting game as well. Of course, her stuff is more true crime and some of these gruesome unsolved cases and murders. And she does it in such a respectful, uh, respectful way. And I just, I, the, I was just consuming one of, I was just consuming, I was just consuming it at one of her videos right before here on the Brian Koberger trial. And I'm just constantly impressed with her demeanor, the able, the ability to report facts, uh, to stay even keel, which is something I don't do on this show. But on top of it, I found out she is a Bravo fan just like us. And we have talked a lot about this show, the intersection now of true crime and Bravo. They seem to be meeting and butting heads. Of course, I needed to get her opinions on Scandable. But I wanted to tell you before we start this, her new podcast, Serialistly, presented by Audio Boom, has just been out for a couple of months. What we always ask people to do, go subscribe to that now, hit that five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and her insanely successful YouTube channel, 10 to Life. You probably already know, but if you don't, go check this out. You'll hear exactly what I'm saying. You'll, you'll know exactly what I'm saying. So Annie Elise, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. First of all, thank you so much for that introduction. I feel like that was like the best hype man I could have ever asked for. I, you know, the people I asked to be on this show, I really am very excited to have them. And we've been DMing now for a while because I was truly uh, ecstatic when when you reached out to me after I had followed you and you were said you were a Bravo fan. I was like, no way. Oh my gosh. Um, because you deal in such dark waters already. So of course, Bravo is the next natural step for you to be a fan of. <laughs> Exactly. The natural evolution of that, right? No, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me on. As a geek, though, just as somebody that like, how did you get your start? And don't worry, folks, we're going to get into Scandaball. We're going to get into the Idaho murders a little bit. I know that's a really weird section of things to talk about. But how did you get your start, Annie? It actually was really interesting. So I've been in the corporate fashion industry for over 15 years. I was doing professional trend forecasting, living in New York City. And then when COVID hit, I was luckily still employed, but all of the factories had shut down, of course. And so everything kind of slowed up, giving me a lot of free time while just kind of waiting to pick up production again. So my husband had asked me, he's like, what are some of your hobbies? What can you do during your spare time? I'm like, I don't have any hobbies. I watch Bravo and I watch Dateline. Like, that's about it. <laughs> and so that was when, like TikTok started happening. And so he had suggested, he's like, why don't you just go on TikTok and start talking about some of these cases that have left you with questions that you find really fascinating? And so I was like, okay, what the heck? No plans to ever pursue it in the business capacity at all. But I started- Yeah, why would you think that that would actually be a way to go? Like, I didn't even know there was a whole YouTube world out there like that. I would just go there to watch Britney Spears videos, you know? <laughs> so yeah, I started doing 60-second case recaps on TikTok and- trying to just kind of get some questions answered for some of the cold cases to bring awareness to a lot of the ones that people hadn't ever heard about. And it exploded. So then I started doing it over on YouTube so I could do longer format. And here we are today. I mean, you could, you just could never have predicted the success of this. I mean, it really yeah. is. I mean, I'm shocked the more I learn about YouTube, the, I mean, you're, you're getting millions of views on this thing and, mm -hmm. and it's, 
it's well worth your time to watch you guys. Like I watched that Dateline NBC two hour, which you know, it's a good Dateline when there's two hours, the one hours <laughs> I'm like, pshaw, two hours, but you, you are on par with the production value. I mean, you were walking us through, I mean, it was somebody else's, uh, you know, uh, rendering artist rendering of the Brian Koberger or the, whoever the alleged murderer is in the house, but you walked it through with such, uh, just such knowledge. And I was like, you are one of the trusted voices in this field now, but it's just going to blow you away. Three years you've done this. Thank you. I really appreciate that. The Unfortunately, with how horrible the Idaho case has been, I have found myself, of course, like super interested in that, fascinated. So I, de- I tend to, I like to think that I know a lot of the different aspects of that one. But yeah, that 3D rendering of what happened inside that yeah. house at those early morning hours, it is really haunting when you see it. And it's really chilling to think about what they went through. But I mean, I don't, I don't want to play around. I do sometimes get things wrong. Sometimes I get let my speculation get the best of me, but I definitely have learned over the course of three years, sticking to the facts is very important. Making sure you say allegedly is of course very important if you want to avoid a lawsuit. <laughs> I say it now. Every, every sentence I say now, I put allegedly and I put it the wrong place. I always put the allegedly at the wrong place. I'm like, Sandoval cheated with a billion people, period. Yeah. Allegedly. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's better to just say it no matter what. You know, the bill came, the tab is $400. Allegedly. I don't even know. Just throw it on everything. Throw it on everything. Um, But yeah, I mean, so many people are fascinated with true crime. It's kind of crazy, right? Well, I love that your husband... It could have gone either way. It could have gone to Bravo or it could have gone to true crime. And I think you picked the right one, except now with Bravo and Scandaball, this seems to have the white hot heat of public attention like true crime does. And there is this darkness aspect that I felt covering this. And I know that sounds silly. I've told the audience because it just it makes you really sad to think about. This was a nine-month coordinated effort, potentially longer, of people, you know, cheating in this relationship and betraying a best friend and a partner. So, of course, this is not, um, you know, this is not on par with, of course, murdering or anything like that. But it seems like we we are obsessed with this, like we are obsessed with true crime. Absolutely. I think it's because what people are obsessed with is not only the action of what happened, but it's like the capacity of this person and the character of this person, because a sociopath is a sociopath. A a narcissist is a narcissist. So it's like, again, although it is two very different things going from, you know, say a quadruple murder to cheating on your partner of nine years, it's still, it's like this character makeup that these people have. And I think that's what people find so fascinating because it's almost as though you're trying to unlock what's going on in their minds to make them think that this is acceptable. Well, and it, it is, I mean, you're, you're dead on right. And I, I made this, I made this, it wasn't horrible. I really, I really thought this was that in those datelines, especially we always like the husband, the husband, look at the husband. And what I would always notice about datelines for the last, you know, how 15, 16 years I've been watching that show is that the husband was unable to tell his partner the truth about something. So it got to a point where the only option in this sociopath's head was got to kill her. I got to kill her. I can't, I can't tell her the truth. And I'm not saying that this would have obviously gotten to that point, but it was one of those things that he couldn't reveal the secret. He had to get Mm -hmm. caught and it was making him do insane behavior, Tom Sandoval. And that to me was very, I was like, it seems to be the same thing with men in particular about not being able to tell the full truth to the women that they say they're in love with. 
Absolutely. And I mean, like, not to say that women don't hide things and lie yes. to a hundred percent. Lori, shout out Lori Vallow. Short ass yeah. shout out. Oh. Oh my gosh, don't even get me started on that lady. Um, No, but it's true. It's like these men, I don't know what it is, if it's ego, if they're just cowards, I don't know. I don't get it, but it's like they entwine themselves in these lies and lies and it just gets bigger and bigger. I personally, I know that Sandoval said he had a plan in place with Raquel, Rachel, whatever we're going to call her, with the failed beauty pageant to come clean about what was happening. But I don't believe for a second that he would have. And I think he was laying the groundwork like narcissists and calculated people do like that food truck scene. I think that was staged oh 100%. Like you could just see it. And even as he's like saying these certain things, when he finally had the confrontation with Ariana about what had happened when she caught him, it's like, you can tell he's just slimy and he moves like a yes. snake and he's trying to like lay the foundation for him getting you know off with this whole thing and it's it's sick it really is yeah i mean it really does feel like he was plotting for the eventual trial and how to get mm-hmm. off innocent you know of like if i can put that she didn't want to have sexual relations with me if i can throw that out there if i can throw out she potentially might self-harm i can throw that out there mm-hmm. if i can throw these things i believe shorts was fully in on it what you know you mentioned that scene at the the food truck you know, that was a scene between him and his buddy Schwartz. What do you think about Schwartz? I watched that finale and I almost was angrier at Schwartz at times because I thought it was another self-serving man in just his text to Ariana and, the you know, him trying to get sympathy for something that his partner did. Oh, absolutely. I I think there were a lot of scenes in addition to the food truck scene where they probably spoke off camera and said, okay, here's what we're going to talk about because I need to lay the groundwork of like things being, you know, on the outs with me and Ariana. Here's how you're going to play into it. I also think, and I could be dead wrong, I guess we'll find out in a few weeks. There's been a lot of talk lately about some big secret being revealed during the reunion that even the cast don't know about. People are saying, you know, Raquel's pregnant, this and that. I think that Schwartz knew much longer than he is saying, I think even before August. And I also think, and the reason I say that he was more involved and knew longer is because there was a point during Watch What Happens last week when Ariana was on, when she had looked dead in the camera addressing Sandoval saying, I did track you and you were at Schwartz's every single time. I think that Schwartz allowed Raquel and Tom to go over there, bone, do what they wanted to do in secret and was really... A, a, a way more intertwined in this than he's letting on. And I think that that may oh. come out. And that's why it's so funny. He keeps saying like, they think I'm like a co-conspirator. I'm like, you are dude. You, you are. You might think yeah. you're a nice guy, but that's what allegedly. a co-conspirator. <laughs> <laughs> that's a correct use of allegedly, by the way. It just, if anybody's keeping track at home, but that's the fascinating part of all of this is just the, the, uh, just the garbage of all of it. You know, you're just like, you're muck and my, you're in the muck and mire trying to piece together this timeline. And I've gotten it from sources that Raquel is definitely not pregnant, even though that's another point I had wanted to bring up with you, just even in reference to the Idaho murders is that I was kind of like a lot of us obsessed with that case. And I would go on Twitter or all of these forums and there would be so many rumors, so many things. And it's the same thing. I mean, it's the same thing, I guess, in any fandom. But with Vanderpump Rules, there's this whole conspiracy out there of it's all fake or Raquel's pregnant or Raquel's this. And we and I'm like, guys, the horror is right in front of us. This is real right here. Yeah. Why do we why do you think we do this with? with everything is that we we don't accept what's right in front of us and we need to make up even bigger things potentially. I think it's probably because once the initial rip of the band-aid, so to say, like wears off, it's almost like, 
okay, where, when's the next shoe going to drop? What's the next thing? I think another piece of it is so many of us, just human nature, we want to dig. We want to kind of feel like that detective finding things, finding the Easter eggs, finding the clues. So I think that you're looking for the next thing. You're also trying to be the one to solve it and find it. So now people are talking about the baggie that may or may not have been on the counter being shoved in her pocket, which it does look like she hides something. They're talking about the pregnancy, all of these things, because I think everybody's just itching for, what's for something more. Point. Yeah, they just want, they want to, I don't know. It's like, it's salacious. It's weird, but we all do it. But it's scary. And I, I always talk about this on the show is that these, a lot of these things are proven to be false eventually, mm -hmm. but the mm -hmm. people don't usually see that, you know, retraction. So then they sit there in their head and think this whole time, well, Raquel's had three of Tom's kids at this point. You know, I mean, this has been going on. The cheating has been going on for nine years. I do agree, though, that I think what we are going to find out is the timeline, even Schwartz knowing, but even the timeline of this relationship has been going on a lot longer. And I think there's been more than just the one person he admitted to Sheena at the very end of the episode. I think there's going to be more of, you know, turns out I think this guy might be a serial cheater. Absolutely. Especially because I forget who it was. One of the cast members in one, maybe it was Lala in one of the scenes. She said, you don't do this and jump straight to having sex and cheating with the best friend if you're not confident to do that. So the fact that he was so confident to be so brazen, to go after Raquel, who's spending the night, who's best friends with Ariana, he had to have felt comfortable enough, meaning this was casual to him. This was a routine. This was a habitual thing at this point, in my opinion, to where now he felt like, okay, I'm not scared to do this because that takes a lot of balls. And I don't believe for a second it was because of the deep connection they had or because they were watching the sunrise on mushrooms together, which I'm sure they were. But like, I don't think that was the reason. Wait, I think wait. it would have been anybody. <laughs> Did you make your husband watch the finale of Vanderpump Rules? Um, I tried to, but he was with my kids so that I could go watch <laughs> it in the movie theater. Like, no, but by the way, yeah, your sister, I, am. I, I was DMing with your, your sister's awesome too. And she did like a whole Vanderpump Rules finale party in a movie theater or so you know like yeah really awesome um i thought that was so cool. hard yeah good i'm glad but uh, i would think you know your husband watching something like this it's just i as a man watching this you just like you just want to apologize for all the men out there. You're like, this is, you can really see it on its face. And the fact that Sandoval, especially he was willing to make himself even try to use the tactic of being stupid as one of his excuses. Like when he, he, when he was at the party, when Ariana's grandma died, he was like, sorry, babe, I had to take a shit. Like he was yeah. like using the Gross. taking a poop just as an excuse when that wasn't just the amount of lies he did and was comfortable in doing with her. Did mm -hmm. you watch the Randall scandal yet? That Hulu documentary that just came out? I did. I watched it yesterday, which that guy, I mean, honestly, just disgusting. Like not I only mean, everything about him, but like everything he did to those people. It's really unsettling when you see what really was going down behind the scenes with him. And of course, then, I mean, uh, Tom had the unlucky, uh, I guess, not being lucky to have Lala on this cast after she was really betrayed by Randall's, you know, Randall mm -hmm. Emmett, and then kind of being able to be hypersensitive to men cheating. So she seems like she picked up on this relationship before most of the other cast did. 
Absolutely. And you brought up when that they he had stayed at the Labor Day party and made the lies up to Ariana. Something that was so interesting, too, is when Lala brings that up to Ariana and they confront him together, he still doesn't ever apologize. He doesn't take ownership. Yeah. He makes excuse after excuse after excuse, which, in my opinion, just again, shows the level of ego, narcissism. It could have been so easy on camera or not for him to be like, you know what? You're right. I was having fun. I was drunk. I wanted to stay a little longer. So I could have gotten an Uber and I probably should have. And I'm sorry. But no, he just kept it going because he didn't want to look like the bad guy, which is like you are the bad guy. You are. Yeah. Period. Accept it. Accept it. Yeah. Um, and it's also interesting in that finale episode of, you know, almost angry at Ariana. And even Ariana points out he was angry at me, but we see him standing up yelling at her. But then he goes to, Sh to Schwartz. He's like, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Oh that, those God. tears and I'm sorry obviously should have been for Ariana, but yet he uses them on his partner. But even that, I think if there's a, a trickery and a fakeness to that because at the end of that scene with Schwartz, he's like, Schwartz is like, oh, I'm just, I'm getting hit online everywhere. He's like, stay offline then, dude. And it's like really yeah. cold. I don't think those tears were real. I don't think the tears at Lisa's house were real. I think they were all crocodile tears, like the crocodile Schwartz was talking about. Like, none of it was real. None of it was real. It was all acting, I think. Okay, so the reunion is coming up this week, obviously. And uh, what are you expecting, if anything? What would satisfy you as a Vanderpump Rules fan and viewer? What do you want to see? I would love to see accountability, but I definitely don't think we're not going to happen. Any sorry, I know, I know. Happen. Wish wishful hope and, and <laughs> yeah. wishful thinking over here. Um, <laughs> I'd really like to just see them fully called out on their bullshit in the biggest, most extravagant way. I I think Lisa was a little too soft on Sandoval, in my opinion. So I would like to see her kind of be a little bit more harsh and stern with him. I would like to see. I mean, what I would like to see is Raquel dragged across the floor, but I'm not trying to incite violence. So don't do that. Don't do that. Nobody needs a TRO. Uh, but allegedly. I just really, allegedly. Yeah, she's allegedly, not trying to incite um, <laughs> No, but I would just like to see them, yeah, called out for who they are. And I don't think that Raquel is going to have enough rehearsed lines in her tiny little pea brain to combat what they're going to come and serve for her. I really don't. And Sheena admitted on her uh, one of the, the podcasts she did or, or uh, her own where she said Raquel was rehearsed in, you know, past reunions where she would have a mm -hmm. script, which, by the way, is, is that's fine. She's not good at public speaking. That was one of her storylines, you know, a couple seasons ago. But I'm curious. That's what I think. I think regardless of what we expect, it's going to be disappointing on the Raquel front because she doesn't still seem to understand the weight of what she did. She seems to be very like, even in that small scene with Sandoval in the finale, I was like, it seems like you just chipped a nail. It just seems like you're just like, Oh, I can't believe Not that. Even happened. that. Not even that. And you know, what gets me the most is the confessional where she's like, I just never have had sex with somebody like that before. And I wanted to know what it felt like. And she was giddy and smiling, but also it's like, as a woman, as a human being, even if that were true, even if you have absolutely no remorse, you are in love with him. It was the greatest sex you've ever had. You were having orgasms all night long. Great. And I, like, I gotta, I gotta stop you. I'm just, this is gross. Please, please do not ever say the best sex with Tom. Said. Please no, uh, stop. Please. Like, I'm especially I, like, and then you just in your mind are thinking about his karaoke. No, like, even, if, even if you truly believe that it's like as a human being, knowing the hurt that you just yeah. unleashed, how could you even say that in a confessional knowing it's going to air saying it's the best, best sex I've ever had. Like, 
What kind of human are you to even do that? It is so foul. So and foul. Also, I appreciate you're on a reality show and it's great when people do not know how to censor themselves for our benefit. But at a certain point, you're like, girl, you don't censor need yourself. to say, like, girl, don't say that. Like, why would you ever in a million years say anything specifically about the sex? Like you exactly. would just say, I just wanted to feel loved. I just wanted to feel She's, he's like singing with lightning crashes. Take on me. Honestly, I can't. I can't. <laughs> I mean, by the way, I will say this. Before Scandaball broke, would you have seen Tom Sandoval in the most extras? Probably like in a parody way. Like if I was yeah, getting drunk with my sister and with my girlfriends, I'd be like, let's go. We I I would never take it seriously or be like cheering yeah, him on. But you would but have like, fun. It the and like I don't even think it's so the cringe factor is the fact that he thinks he's so good and that he's really so horrible. It's that like when he's on stage, his presence, he really does think he's like God's gift or a rock star, like doing the pelvic thrust and the like hair flips. I'm like, I just can't take you seriously. I feel sorry for you. It's really uncomfortable to watch. It's really uncomfortable. Because that's what I'm saying now. Uh, we, we, you know, now the behind the scenes stuff of him, uh, you know, potentially selling out shows, people coming just to wear their team Ariana shirts. I always compare it to like a Rocky Horror Picture Show. Everybody's like, you know, at this part, throw the rice, and at this part, yeah. but it, I don't think I, I've said I don't think I could ever show up to one of those again. I, I went before and yeah. I thought it was so much fun, but now I'm like, like Ariana said, like think about what you're supporting. Um, and I'm curious now too. Do you ever do this with? the cases you cover because this is in reference to the Idaho murders as well, the machinations behind the scenes, I'm almost more curious about, like even in that Raquel uh, talking head, I'm like, what did the producers think when she was smiling? Like, did they, go, did yeah. they feel gross? What did they like? But they also have to woo her to be like, you're, we want you to tell your story, Raquel, mm -hmm. Tom, we want you to tell your story. They need to make these people feel comfortable. And I always am curious about behind the scenes, but like with Idaho murder as well, I'm so curious with behind the scenes, all these legal maneuverings that I didn't mm -hmm. understand. And I know this is like a, we're going to go back to Scandaval, but I wanted like, what is standing silent, Matt? Like he put in Brian Koberger, who is allegedly, you know, who's on trial now for the murder of the, uh, the four students in Idaho. He had to enter a plea yesterday and he stood silent. And I was not aware of that before yesterday. What does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. So standing silent is a legal term. It also is referred to as standing mute. So his attorney is the one who stood up and then, you know, told the judge we're going to be standing silent for this. He didn't actually like stand and not say anything, which a lot of people yeah. I think are saying they're like, oh, he stood up and he was just stone faced and refused to speak. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not what happened. The legal term is stood silent. And what that means is basically you're refusing to enter a plea. However, when you do that and when you stand silent, the judge will enter the not guilty plea on your behalf. So it is essentially is entering a not guilty plea, but not doing it yourself. And it can be done for a multitude of reasons. Some people do it because they, of course, don't want to either A, admit guilt or outright say they're not guilty. It could be because they're still hoping that a plea agreement will be worked out between the prosecution and the defense. But a lot of the times when defendants will do this, it ends up hurting them in the long run because if yeah. they end up being found guilty when it comes to sentencing, the judge can remember that and be like, you and you stood silent. You wouldn't even take a not guilty plea. You wouldn't take a plea agreement, a guilty plea, whatever it was. And it could actually turn against them. So a lot of people are speculating that there is a 
grander scheme in play here, which I don't want to kind of go off and, you know, think that too much, but I definitely think there is an element of Brian thinking he's smarter than everybody else in the room. I just think that's which, his Which seems to be a trait. recurring pattern with him. If you if you study mm-hmm. his background, that seems to be a big thing of him thinking he's smarter than other people, especially women. Absolutely. We saw it through evidence that has come out with how harsh he would grade people when he was a TA, the confrontations he had with his professor, just always thinking that he was smarter, knew better, knew better than uh, what's her name, Ramsfield, uh, Ramsfeld or Ramsfield, I can't remember off the top of my head, but who was the one who worked hand in hand with Dennis Rader, BTK, and he thought he was smarter than her. And It's interesting because a lot of his behavior emulates BTK and something I didn't know about until yesterday, even though I did a whole video of the similarities between the two of them, because I think Brian idolized him. BTK also stood silent, which I thought was very, very interesting. And it's almost like he's kind of copycatting certain behaviors of Dennis Rader. Um, I mean, definitely. I mean, uh, that dateline, they had Dennis Rader's daughter who's spoken out Mm -hmm. multiple times about her father and in regards to this case. Um, but it's weird, like as a layman like myself, when I look at this and I know this is not how the legal system works, unfortunately, but I'm like, guys, it's the most obvious answer is th- this. This is it, guys. Everything points mm-hmm. to this. Yet people online now be like, they don't have it. They're, the defense is going to win. They do not have it. And I'm like, how in this day and age? I was also confused, Annie. Could you explain? Like, I thought. So we waited until June for this moment, and now it was like a very quick court proceeding, and then now it starts October 2nd at 8.30 in the morning or something, the trial? Yeah, so originally he was supposed to have his preliminary hearing in June where both the defense and the prosecution would present evidence, see if there was enough for an indictment going to trial. And last late last week, a grand jury ended up convening. They did get the indictment, so then he had his arraignment on Monday, and that's where he stood silent. So they said that they wanted to go right outside of the speedy trial window, his defense team said, because they said they weren't prepared to go yet. But they set it for October 2nd. I second Is it 2nd or 3rd? I, one of those days at 830. There's a lot of speculation that it'll be pushed out and that there will be delays and that it may end up being years. Who's to Annie, who's why? I mean, sure? how how are you able to delay? I mean, this is what I... I don't understand about our legal system at all, whether it be Jen Shaw in Salt Lake, whether it be Tom Girardi, I don't understand. And even you could go back to the the Murdoch trial. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. it seems like these legal maneuverings always help the person that's most likely guilty and doesn't help the victims ever get true justice. And if they do, it is so spread out where these people have had to live in this horror for so many more years than they than they ever would have. I mean, do, do you ever get frustrated with covering Lee or do you find this all just a fascinating and this is just how it works no I mean it's extremely frustrating Lori Vallow is a great example and Letitia Stauk both mothers who Letitia killed her you just did you just did a show on Letitia right yeah oh she is just the worst of the worst that case it's like I think I even titled that one like worse than Casey Anthony she is just a monster but both she her trial and Lori's it was years that it was drawn out and it's because I mean legally it can happen different motions can be filed if there's a lot of evidence that they feel like they need to go through if they're waiting on evidence so it happens but it does become frustrating because you see the families and they are just waiting to get their day in court to get justice so that they can finally start to have some semblance of closure, maybe. And it just keeps getting dragged on, dragged on, dragged on. And it's it's horrible. And part of me wonders 
if we'll see as motions do or don't get filed. But part of me wonders in Brian's mind, again, assuming he did this, if he's going to want to draw it out as long as possible because he can see the repercussions and kind of how it's affecting everybody for longer periods of time as it all plays out. But what we'll access see. does he have to information like that? Like, does he have access to watch a Dateline NBC for two hours? Does he have access to YouTube to watch your coverage? Like, where is he able to get off potentially if he if he is this person that did this, he would get off on all of the mentions potentially. Where would he be able to see any of this stuff? So I don't know where he stands as of today, but last I heard, which was, I think it was about two months ago, he did have access to a TV. He was watching coverage so much so that the reports that were coming in was that he was obsessed with his own coverage, watching every single person, every single news channel. And to my knowledge, anything that the defense is able to obtain as far as what evidence and discovery the prosecution has, he'll be made privy to. And I don't know if there will be more access he'll be given because of his background with criminal justice or if there are certain things he will ask for because he will be curious about the, those things. But from my understanding, he has he has pretty much open access right now to view what he wants to view, to see what the public knows, to see what they're talking about. And of course, there was speculation that before the arrest, he had immersed himself inside the case under that sock account. Papa, Papa Rogers. Papa Rogers. Mm -hmm. You brought up this and I've, I've heard about this for so long now is that there was an account, uh, you know, that was, I think, was it on Reddit? It was a bunch of like, was discord Reddit or like or Facebook group or there like, was, was the Papa Rogers on Facebook. And then there was another Reddit account and it's was suspected that it was the same person managing both. But for sure, a lot of people believe that the Facebook Papa Roger account was Brian. And if you look at it, the, the image of it looks like AI on the side of Brian's face with like a, a military hat on of some sort, mm -hmm. but it looks like an AI rendering of, you know, we see everybody do that every, all the time now, but it does look eerily like Brian. Also the Papa Rogers account knew about the knife sheath being left behind, mm -hmm. which is the knife sheath had the drop of DNA on it that they were, they were able to obtain the, the arrest warrant for, I mean, in your, will we, will we be able to eventually get the answer if this was him or not? Absolutely. I mean, they seized so much tech that right. there is. I'm, I'm so confident that they'll be able to trace that back because they got towers, laptops, his phone, all of these different things. And clearly we know he wasn't as tech savvy as he thought he was, because even though he turned his phone off or an airplane, an airplane or whatever mode. it was. It, yeah, it kept pinging at like when he turned it back on, then he revisited the house the next morning, allegedly. And so it's like he wasn't that tech savvy. So I can't imagine that he would have completely formatted or wiped his hard drive or done anything like that, possibly. But I'm sure that they'll they have, you know, they have forensic experts. They'll be able to go in and find that. So we'll get the answer, I'm sure. To cut through some of the noise, too, and some of the rumors that have always confused me, and I don't know how much information you have on this, but we had heard that uh, there were rumors like he had one of the girl's li uh, driver's license in the glove compartment. Was that true? So it's they haven't revealed what those were, but on the seizure list of everything that they had recovered during the search, there was something where it said the ID cards found inside a glove inside a box. Now, at first, when you would read that, you would think IDs inside of a glove box. And then you would think, OK, it could have been his IDs, his insurance, his whatever, maybe. But it was IDs inside a glove tucked inside a box that was inside the home. So they, again, have said there's speculation that two of those IDs, because I think that there were a handful of them found, it's suspected that two of them belonged to two of the roommates. 
my belief would be Maddie or Kaylee and Kaylee, if that were true, but they haven't confirmed what those are, who they belong to. But we do know he was wearing latex gloves in his house, digging through trash, going through trash and organizing things right before his arrest too. So the fact that they were possibly tucked inside the glove and then tucked away could easily be explained as a trophy that he kept. Which is very, uh, you know, very common among serial mm-hmm. killers. We also can assume if it is Brian and this was, who knows? I mean, hopefully this was his first and only murders. But this, if he wouldn't, have, if he if he wasn't caught, most likely he would have kept doing this. Because there is a thrill in this that we see mm-hmm. from serial killers and that we've studied. It is interesting, though, that he was in criminology and he still was so, I mean, or is it just, in today's day and age, you're going to always leave a digital trace. There's no way to not get caught anymore. I think it's two parts. I think that more than likely you're going to leave your digital footprint somewhere, somehow. But however, that being said, I think there are also a lot of serial killers out there and even thrill killers who maybe aren't serials yet who are smart and who have, you know, just if you look at the number of cold cases that haven't been solved, that's indicative right there of how many people have gotten away with it, whether that's because they were smart enough to not leave a digital footprint, whatever it may be. With Brian, I think he thought he was smart enough. I think he thought he had covered all of the bases. He had on just that tiny snap button, he had left the touch DNA, then his Elantra and driving through. I think he thought he maybe was smart. He was, he went the long way on the way back. So I think maybe he thought he was avoiding traffic cameras, this and that, but there's just so much tech out there nowadays that it's impossible to know if you are fully untraceable in any given moment. There's no way in my opinion to know. Didn't he change his license plates as well? Like right before he he did. I don't think that he did. I don't think that that was part of a cover-up. He had that was just him being new... a good citizen, guys. That was just him. He had filed he for new registration. <laughs> he had filed for new registration. So with that came the new plates, and so that's what took them, I think, longer to find the actual vehicle because he coincidentally had changed those plates at that time. But it was something that he would have done regardless. What did you think of that information that came out on the Dateline about his own family? One of the sisters thinking that they were like, I think Brian might have been a part of this. And the dad saying, no, no, no. I don't know how Dateline would have gotten that information. I mean, is that is that accurate information, do you think? Or do you think this is just another like, you know, people are just saying things now. Raquel's pregnant. I, You know, honestly, it's hard to say because there is still a gag order in place on this case. So how they would have received this information with this gag order, I'm not sure unless a family member confided in them off to the side. I can't imagine that Dateline as such a big production company and organization would make things up. But what I will say is that in the many Idaho Facebook groups that are out there, there was somebody who posted in there back when in December when this first all went down saying how... The night before the arrest, Brian and his family, including his sisters, they all went to dinner. The mom asked for them to be sat in a dimmer yes. seated table, yeah. all of these things. And then how it, the sister had been questioning his involvement. So could it have been that tip or that source that maybe Dateline ran with? Or was that true? And whoever posted that had inside knowledge, which I also can't imagine It's just it's hard to know what's real and what's not because the gag order is still in place as of now. So any new information that has come out in the last 60, maybe even 90 days now, you have to take with a grain of salt because there is no actual official information from any law enforcement official or any lawyer that can actually be made public at this point.
without the judge, huge repercussions. Yeah, the judge said even yesterday, you know, we are doing era, you know, really like a lot of harm if there is leaks and all of this stuff. It mm-hmm. is going to, you know, really hurt this case and potentially already has because in Idaho, can Brian Koberger get a fair trial? Can he get the a jury trial of his peers? You know, because I would assume in Idaho, I mean, this is known everywhere, but in Idaho, especially there's such a spotlight right now. Folks, summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now, I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily, I found Quince. Now, I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts. I got a pair of green shorts. I cannot wait to style these for summer. And I got to tell you, the quality is great because Quince has all the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from 30 performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Absolutely. I mean, I would like to think that our justice system and legal system will work effectively and efficiently, and he will get a fair trial because you don't definitely don't want any sort of grounds for appeal in the future or anything like that. But my personal opinion with that is I think it would be hard to go anywhere in the country and get a fair trial. His name is everywhere. Everybody knows what happened to those four kids. Everybody, not everybody, I should say, but the mass majority of people believe he is guilty. So I think it would be I think it will be a challenge to find that. But they might try to opt to a petition for a different jurisdiction as well. We'll see. You said, you know, uh, I always talk about also the intersection of pop culture where we have now put true crime. It's kind of pop culture now like it is you know, weird mm-hmm. to like we're we study these things and we're not fans of course of these actions but we're fans of the mystery of the solving of the great you know even with bravo you know the intensity of once you get on bravo you better make sure your tax records are right you better make sure because the bravo people i mean on jersey i'm scared of that jersey audience they're gonna find everything that you've everything. ever done on jersey um yes what was the first thing that you got into because you said you were following a lot of these things before you even dreamt of doing anything like this. What was the first one that like sucked you in that you're like, I can't sleep at night. This scares me. Do you remember the first case for you? It was probably Casey Anthony. I remember still exactly where I sat when that verdict was read. I was on vacation with my family and I remember looking at the TV and being like, how did this just happen? And I, I don't remember how old I was at the time, but I must've been pretty young. I'm 36 now. So doing the math, I don't even know how long ago that would have been. But um, that one for sure stuck with me. 
And we just saw recently Casey Anthony was at Disneyland looking at kids' toys. And I mean, it was such a dark photo, but it is, it, it, there is always that one thing. And there's these things that will grab us and just not let go. But Casey Anthony, mm-hmm. especially now, there's something that turned out she walked free. She walked free. It is unbelievable to me. And it's interesting because I know she did the recent Peacock documentary and shared her side of the story, which I'm just (laughs) going to say is complete bullshit in my opinion. But I can't believe she had talking heads supporting her on that. Did you like the people supporting her around her? So It's interesting though, because, and I, I I think it was when I was on Heather McDonald's or when Heather McDonald was on my podcast a few weeks ago, I, we were talking about this case and I was like, it's interesting because not many people think that she's not guilty. However, there is this new interest and fascination with Gen Z and true crime, and they weren't around necessarily to see the entire court case the first time around. So I can see where now hearing it for the first time, or if you weren't very familiar, and now you're getting her perspective, where maybe it is enough to cast a doubt to where you would question it. But I don't have a single cell in my body that even has a question mark on it of if she's guilty or not. That's my personal opinion. And, I, I think mean, she did it. You're 1, a mother 000%. now too. You're a mother mm-hmm. now and to put yourself in that kind of mind frame and then to see somebody continually argue one lie for decades now is really mm-hmm. just even eerier than, I mean, it just continues to be an eerie case. Um, for me, another one that got me like sucked in uh, was that the Golden State Killer one was mm-hmm. like, I remember exactly on Twitter when they said arrest has been made. It was like two in the morning. And I was like, and they're like, it finally happened. And that was after the the beautiful book uh, that was written uh, by Patton Oswalt's ex. I'm, I'm forgetting the name of the book. But there are these cases that suck you in and yeah. really don't let you go. But now you live in that every day, Annie. How do you how do you decompress because you are dealing with such dark subject matter? Me as well, you guys with Vanderpump rules, but you especially, how do you even go about doing this research because you are so researched, but how is your hair not white? It is, but luckily (laughs) the bleach helps. Um, No, you know, it is, it's really tough. And Personally, I find myself gravitating towards a lot of the cases with children involved, which is very interesting because as a mother, you would think that I would be avoiding those cases at all costs because they are just tragic. But for me, it's like I want to bring awareness to them. I want these kids to no longer have a voice, to have somebody speak up for them. And something I always say, too, on my videos is as hard as it is for us to hear about what a lot of these victims went through, they're the ones who had to experience it. They're the ones who had to live it. So the least we could do is talk about it, hear about it, if it's going to generate awareness, get them justice, and really like even help other people identify red flags and see them. So for me, as hard as it is, I just, at the end of the day, I don't know how I'm able to do it, but I I kind of just turn it off. I become present with my own family, my own kids. I try to just compartmentalize that piece of it. And then when I'm back in the studio and doing it, I just try to remind myself the reasons why I'm doing it. And that you can't really get sucked into the gory, tragic details of it. But I'll be honest, there are times where I have to turn the camera off. I'll have to re-edit something 500 times because I start crying during it. One time I actually went and threw up during it. It's hard, but I just try to remind myself why I'm doing it, I guess, is the best way to explain it. Uh, follow-up question. What's being present like? What's that feel like? What is that? What is that? How, do you, how do you be present with your friends and family? I'm I'm trying to learn how to do that. I try to put like anything work related on my phone. I try to put away. I try to just be engaged, 
talk about anything else. I mean, my husband and I will have our quick exchange of how was your day? How's everything going? But like, I never even talk to him about any of the cases I cover very rarely. Like I just, I shut it off and I don't know if it's healthy or not, but I've always been somebody who has internalized my feelings to probably like an unhealthy degree, regardless what it is. So that's what I do. I just manage it myself. I internalize it so that when I am there, I can feel like my dedication and my mind is solely on what's happening in that moment. And so I guess that's my definition of being present. To bring it back to Vanderpump Rules, just to get up the Brian Koberger, he did mention something about, uh, or I think his his sisters, I think they lost their jobs potentially because mm-hmm. of association with Brian Koberger. Now, Schwartz, we've now seen, you know, they're complaining about Yelp reviews of Schwartz and Sandy's saying that, you know, when somebody from Yelp reached out to me over the week, and gave me hard statistics on the amount of reviews, the amount of coverage, and they had placed an unusual, like suspicious activity and they stopped reviews being able to come in. But isn't that what's to be, where is the line for you of what's to be expected of you are going, you know, the, the people around you, you're going to hurt your businesses, you're going to hurt. And of course, Schwartz and Sandys might take a hit, but also in this day and age, any attention is good attention. Do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, I think you kind of said it, it's, it's going to happen because people out there love to talk. People love to sleuth. People love to feel powerful, you know, whether they're a Karen or whether they truly think that they're doing something good. So it's like when the spotlight is on you, you are going to get the vitriol. There's going to be mom mentality to an extent, not saying it's right or wrong. I, sometimes it is warranted. Sometimes it's not, but you just have to roll with it. At the same time, I don't necessarily think that all attention is good attention, maybe for the reality world, of course, because you're still going to get attention and get, you know, appearance fees, book deals, whatever it may be. But it is real life for a lot of these people. So Brian's sisters losing their jobs back when everybody thought it was the hoodie guy at the food truck who killed these girls and ran with that. It's like he had to go into hiding and couldn't really be out there. So it's like these people do have real lives. So you're never, but you're never going to be able to stop it because as you know, uh, people online, they're very powerful behind a keyboard. They probably wouldn't say something to your face, but they will definitely say it behind a keyboard. I'm sure you've gotten it. I've gotten it. And so it's like, I mean, some of the comments, I mean, it's wild and nothing will, I told the audience, I I was talking about this in the Patreon. Nothing will prepare you sometimes for the vitriol. Somebody has, and they'll pull you into it. And you're like, I don't know you, you are judging, you know, like it is very interesting and it's really scary, but it is this kind of almighty feeling that it seems like they have. And I was trying Mm -hmm. to put myself in a place before I did this of like, was I doing that? And I don't think I was like, I would never read, I would never leave a negative Yelp review somewhere. That's just not my jam. I'd start a podcast instead, but it is scary in this day and age that that seems to be on the menu because they want to inject themselves into these stories. It is really fascinating. I think I've maybe left one negative Yelp review in my life, and it was actually, I did. It was flat rate moving. I'm going to blast that right now. It's because they broke all my stuff on my move from New York to California. So I was like, it is warranted. I'm going to leave a negative review so people realize what a crappy company you are. But like, I would, I like you, I would never just randomly like try to hurt somebody's business. I would never leave comments on people's channel or Instagram making fun of their appearance or questioning things. But there's also this whole other deep layer of like these parasocial relationships where 
these viewers and listeners think they know you better know. than maybe you even know it's saying this is the kind of person you are this is what you do it's like how do you eat? you've seen one thing of mine or listen to me once like how do you know who i am how do you know like that i'm getting pleasure off of this or something it makes no yeah. sense and so it but they're powerful behind the keyboard but i bet you anything if they saw you face to face they would never say that very rarely would somebody do that just like i'm sure if any of these people leaving the negative yelp reviews went in and had a meal there and the server came by and said how was your food i doubt they would say there's cockroaches there is this there is that like no way no and way. they would be very excited to meet tom schwartz still you know what I'm saying? 100%. Like they would be very excited. Uh, I would be great if your one review was to Schwartz and Sandy's. She's like, I've only left one negative review. Schwartz yeah. and Sandy's, and it was, but it was before Scandable. It was before yeah. Scandable. I just didn't like the food. I just didn't yeah. like the food. <laughs> um, looking on to season 11 of Vanderpump Rules, like, listen, is this a show that you've watched from the beginning? Is this a show you've always yeah. been in on with Van? Me too. Like I was yeah. even the last two seasons when it was bad. I was like, listen, I'm going down with this ship. And so it's interesting to watch this really rise again in this really dark mm -hmm. insane way season 11 though for you where would you predict or where would you want to see this go who do you want back how do you do you think you need any of the old cast members back my personal opinion i want them all back i want stassi yeah. back yeah, i yeah. want jack's back you back. want stassi back even I, mean, what, I do how would she doesn't need the show she's already how I, would we how would we fit stassi back in because I think at this point, it's evolved into this place where nobody thinks these people actually still work at the restaurant. I yeah, mean, and no. sorry, listeners, if you think that you're delusional. Yeah, <laughs> like that's not what's happening. So it's like, I would love to see what their lives really are. And not to say to break the fourth wall, but to yes. see, to follow Stasi on her book tour to see what's going on when Sheena and the girls record their podcasts even. And like, because people are more interested and fascinated, at least in my opinion, with the the characters and the cast members' lives. So, I th again, I think it gets a little sticky with cancel culture, which I'm kind of happy that we're, like, on our way out from that. But it seems like this would be the perfect time to bring all of the OGs back because I don't think you can just layer on more screen time of Charlie or bring Vale back or any of these other characters. How dare you, goes, Annie? I would desperately love to bring Vale back. And also, <laughs> who do, who's the uh, the girl from the first season with Jax? Who, 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 she, Laura Lee. Up with her. Laura Lee. Wouldn't She's you an OG. Bring her, bring her back. Bring her back. That's the per It's the perfect time. Bring them all back. And like people, I think also love to see the story of like, not the underdogs come back, but like not. And I'm again, not saying anybody's underdogs, but like, bringing the crew back together, seeing where they're all at now and like seeing those relationships that really have started since the beginning. And they all, for the most part, still have relationships with each other. So why not explore that more? But I know that it's probably scary for the production company and all that because you can't really necessarily bring somebody back if they've been canceled. But it's like, I think we're phasing out of that whole movement as it is. I don't know. It is. I, they, they do need like some kind of cancel thermometer every day of like, where yeah. are we on the cancel? Like, but it is interesting because most likely Jax and Brittany are coming back from everything mm -hmm. that I'm hearing. And by the way, Jax did a, a fabulous interview on Heather McDonald's last week. The he only did. thing, right. the only thing with Jax though, is that you can't believe 40% of what he says. He just, <laughs> he's, he's made, but that's since season one, Jax. He's, and he's a believable liar, but he wants to, he wants to impress people. Like the psychology of Jax Taylor is fascinating to me. And it everybody, really we all follow in this same thing. I had so many uh, people reach out to me after Heather's interview of like, 
he won me back over. And I'm like, that's what you said every season after the reunion when he said he <laughs> that was a work me. in progress. You said, he's a good guy. You won me back I over. I literally would cheat the my next sister, season. I was all, did you listen to Heather? Because my sister and I are obviously juicy scoopers as well. <laughs> and shout out to Heather. I love and, Heather. Um, I like was listening and I was like, I love Jax again. And she's all, you do? He was just gassing himself up the whole time. He thinks he's exactly. more. Like, You're right. I know. Annie, I don't know Annie, why I'm back I'm on TV. I'm with your sister. Your sister's the normal one in this family. This is, I mean, <laughs> uh, but I, I, what you brought up is so fascinating. And so what I really would love is that breaking of the fourth wall a little bit, because I believe now production is part of this story, especially with a show mm -hmm. like Vanderpump Rules. Now, do I think they need to bring everybody back? No, because this season was done without any of those people. And it was fascinating. True. But where do we go even if Raquel does sign on? Um, and if Tom, you know, Tom's obviously going to sign on. Where do we go with this? Like, where do we go? Because he's obviously sleeping with other people on the road, allegedly. Um, they probably are not going to be together. Where would we want to even, who's going to film with Raquel? Where is she going to go from this point? Like she can't go back to beauty pageants. She probably, she's like, we have to fire you from sir, darling. You slept with too many people. Like she's not going to be able to fake work there. What, what do we, where do we follow her? I think that if they all do come back for filming, it'll probably be two pockets. It'll be like the crew that's like normal and not sociopathic. And then you'll have the two Toms and Raquel filming. But like you said, whether they're together or not, if they're not, and if he's off screwing other people, that's filming will be fractured. So she's really not interesting to watch, in my opinion. I think she's boring. I think she has yeah, nothing of value. So I don't know what she's going to do. <laughs> I don't know. I keep saying that is that the excitement is around her, obviously, but if you watch her, she's not exciting to watch. And I don't mean that as a mean thing. It's just some people pop on camera and some people don't, you know, yeah. like where it's, you know, I'll even say Jax is fun to watch on camera. DJ James Kennedy, fun to watch on camera. Mm -hmm. Raquel, crazy things happen around her, but she herself is not fun to watch on camera. No, maybe we'll watch her get a job at abercrombie or i don't know <laughs> she's like what's a job i can't I speak with my voice um oh. okay so i love that idea though in fact i want to take it a step further is get everybody back freeze their bank accounts make them actually work at sir they have to move back into their apartments Ooh. that they lived in the first season sandoval oh has to go back in that shitty dump where the air ac would break when the microwave was on and he lives with schwartz now uh, Jax has to live with them as well and just take it back to the beginning uh, and see that. also the the finances around this as we start winding down here is fascinating to me because now we are in a scandal economy and everybody is making money hand over fist. Some people are doing it really smart. Some people are doing it like Tom. Uh, yesterday we had a little bit of a kerfluffle because Ariana, they said she was moving out of her house. And then it turns out it was just part of a campaign by SoFi bank to get her finances in order. Now, yep. as somebody that is, you know, I guess you can call yourself an influencer, even though I don't know if that's what you would want to call yourself. But by the way, what is your job title in your head? Because you do so much. I say digital creator. I'm not, I don't love the word influencer. I don't yeah. think I have influence over anybody. <laughs> so I, I would, yeah, I just create videos and podcasts. What did you think of that, that actual SoFi commercial and it being, I kind of like that we all hop on this information immediately. Like she's moving out and then it turned out to be a commercial. What did you think of that? I thought it was brilliant. I thought that commercial was brilliant. The Bic Razor was brilliant be, and the Uber One commercial. Brilliant. Because La -la they the all- Oh, I know. They all have like nods to 
getting rid of Tom, kick it, like moving on, things like that. And it's like, so she's not only capitalizing on the situation, which I think she absolutely should be, but it's so clever for these companies and the marketing departments within them too. So it's like, I say, ride that train all the way. I don't see Tom doing any endorsements. I don't see anybody hitting him up trying you, to do by anything. The way, it's it's going to be like Ashley Madison or some like kind of I like, know. like who's, is there like a cheaters website for like that Tom could be like, Dude, if I had this website, I would have been a lot better off. Like something. I mean, that Ashley could, like, Madison, help. or he could do like a condom commercial of like gloving it up before he goes everywhere. <laughs> but definitely in my allegedly not a Magnum, allegedly. <laughs> but I mean, I, that's the only path he would go. Which honestly, I think he would do it. I think he has no shame. I think that's evident through his karaoke, where he's like replacing the lyrics to. Raquel is hot for me or not for me like all these things like clearly so he's tacky. poking fun of the intros I, it, it's so tacky but he has no shame in that so like do it or you go pitch these companies and you know run with it the opposite way it. it'll make <laughs> you hate it even more so but do it when i have sex with raquel over at schwartz's apartment i love to use condoms like i can totally... and we have our galaxy light going in full motion <laughs> sorry um <laughs> but i do think the economy is interesting in all of this is that you see the hype machine build up build up build up mm -hmm. and then eventually we've got four more we sadly or excitedly got four more weeks of this and then i have a feeling we're probably getting close to that the saturation point where it's going to go down the other side and i'm glad there's mm -hmm. going to be hopefully a little bit of a long break where we can reacclimate to these other Bravo shows that are on right now. Like people don't even realize Atlanta's on right now. People don't, I mean, we got Jersey, we got Teresa's wedding tonight and you're yeah. a Jersey fan. That's also something that potentially intersects with your business because there seems like crimes are popping up all the time on Jersey. I know, doesn't it? It seems like there's always something. Those Jersey people, those Jersey what do you think? People, I love it. <laughs> what do you think it is about these big personalities? Like, are they more apt to get involved in criminal activity? Is it the shows themselves that kind of highlight this? Or it seems to be nowadays, if you're on one of these shows, the FBI should be watching you closely because there's bound to be something wrong. I think it's kind of a little bit of all of that. And I think, too, in addition to the FBI watching, it's like you now have these fans, trolls, all of these things to where you don't know what's being sent in or tipped off and you know, put across somebody's desk. And I think that mixed with feeling this level of being almost invincible or on your high horse and you have all of this celebrity, you have all of this money, maybe you feel a little bit better than. And so you're not paying your taxes when you should be, or you are, you know, foreclosing on. So I don't know, whatever you're doing, flipping things in a shady way, who knows, to where it's like you think that you are untouchable to a certain degree, but then you get humbled real quick and you either go to prison or you get called out all over social media. You, you really do. And I just don't know if it's worth it just for those, like being able to sell fab fit fun boxes. Is it worth <laughs> being called out? The, I mean, like, that's what I'm saying. It's so, it's so interesting how we all want to be stars, but we don't really think about the ramifications of being stars. You know, it's different mm -hmm. than when I was a kid, when we would love movie stars or singers or people with an actual talent you can point to. And now these personalities are the talent. And it's really a, it's a very scary place. Uh, finally, why the podcast? You you were so successful on YouTube. Why serial serial isly? I, I'll say it before it's over. Why <laughs> why the podcasting? What do you like about podcasting that you can't do on YouTube? 
So what I try to do on YouTube is deliver all of these cases and these stories of these victims, obviously, you know, in a very professional way to where I'm leaving my opinion out of them a lot. I'm just I would like to pay respect to the victims and do right by everybody. Not to say I don't want to do that on the podcast, but I felt like there was an element, an outlet that I needed and that a lot of the viewers were requesting where they're like, I just want to get your opinion on this or like here and there in the videos when I would like throw a jab being like, oh, that feels like it'd be a red flag for me or like my guy, you're an idiot, like little things like that. People like we need more of that. And I was like, I don't know if I really want to like cross pollinate that way. So I decided to start the podcast, which don't worry, nobody can say it, but it is seriously like serial killer, the word serial and then O-S-C or O-U-S-L-Y. I know. And so I started that because I was like, okay, we'll still talk true crime over there. We're going to still, of course, do it in a respectful way, but we're going to talk about some of the more jaw-dropping cases where it allows you to kind of question things and say, like, what the hell was this person thinking? Or how did this even happen? Or what a moron for doing this? And so that's kind of the different way we do things over there. It's still, unfortunately, of course, like all cases, very sad, very tragic, but it's more of these jaw-dropping kind of oh shit cases that maybe you can question a little bit more. Uh, I think it's amazing. And people go subscribe to that. I think you're going to add it to your weekly rotation. Um, And then where, where do you see, where do you now dream of this all going? Because you didn't expect it to happen in the first place where, cause I was saying, Oh my God, she would be perfect for a TV show herself, but you already do a TV show. You've made the YouTube. It's like, you have this beautiful opening. You have all of this production value. Where do you want to go at this point? Honestly, I don't know. I It's so interesting because I get asked that question so much, especially my agent. <laughs> um, and I always yeah, say the, like... my The agent told me to ask you. Yeah, she yeah. was like, please, please, sure. I always kind of say like, I don't really know. Like, I'm, I'm so happy doing what I'm doing. I'm a yes person. So I very rarely will say no to opportunities. There are some things in work right now with some production companies that will probably be coming out soon. I mean, you know, it obviously moves like a snail's pace. So we'll see what happens there. Um, I've also talked about doing live touring. Obviously, I'm not a comic, so it won't be like that. But where we talk about these cases in more of a public setting together, present a new case. So there's kind of a lot right now, you know, on the board for working things out and getting the details going. So we'll see. I'll do your crowd warm up for the show. I'll get people all jazzed. Uh, uh, Yeah. (laughs) Um, Annie Elise. 10 to life. I'm going to put all of the information in there. I'm sure you already Thank know you. her, but if you don't, she is well worth your time. She handles these things in such a respectful manner, but it is so much good information. This stuff is highly researched and I really, really appreciate the people that can walk us through such difficult topics, but also thank you for laughing with us today. It was truly, you really are an inspiration for me personally uh, since I've been watching you and uh, I can't wait to see where you go and hopefully you'll come on again sometime. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I will come on anytime. We always have to talk Bravo. So I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Tell your sister I said hi. I will. I will. Betches.